this, Lord. Holy are you. That's the way we opened up the prayer meeting this morning with the deacons and myself. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Jesus even told us, he said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Holy, holy, holy. It's the only time in Scripture where we see something repeated three times. It's not grace, 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 or mercy, mercy, mercy. It's holy, holy, holy. Because you are holy. And because you're holy, Lord, it's why we're here. Because you are the God of eternity past and eternity future. Because you're holy, holy, and holy. Because death has no dominion on you. Amen. Because you're holy, holy, holy. Today, Lord, as we take communion shortly, I pray that we bow our hearts and reverence towards you because of your holiness. You are our Holy Father, and we thank you. Thank you for redeeming us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for empowering us by your Spirit once we've received him and repented of our sins and received the salvation that you have in store for all those who love you. Today, Lord, each one of us in this church, as I look around, I see men and women and children that put you in their heart by a choice of their own will. We know it's your Holy Spirit that gave us the strength, the power, and the wisdom to do so. Today, be glorified in Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, Lord, because holy, holy, holy are you. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you, Lewis. Um, before we go into, you may be seated, those in the church. Um, before we go on, I wanted to, to get a new audience online. I want to tell you first thing, we're going to take communion today. We'd love to take communion with you over the Internet. You know, um, God is called El Roy. He's there, but he's here. <laughs> he's the God who's there, but he's the God that's here. So, you know, we're going to take communion today. So go get yourself a piece of cracker or a piece of bread and uh, and some juice, and let's have take communion together um, after we do some of these announcements. So um, you're listening to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. For all those that just tuned in, I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. We're in Lantana, Florida. We're on the north border of Boynton Beach, Florida, south of, of uh, Lake Worth or West Palm Beach. If you're local, 2810 High Paluxo Road, you just hop on 95, go to High Paluxo, make a, go west a quarter mile, we're on the north side of the road, and we're here every Sunday at um, 10 a.m., you can tune in online also. Um, also for you men, we're here every Saturday, we have a powerful men's group at, at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, so come on by if you're local, drive your bike, take your car, walk if you're close enough. But we have a great time in the Lord. Um, 
For those of you already online, since you know our website, freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org, you can you can find out what we believe in. You can find our address. You can listen to mini, uh, services from years past. You can see our list of ministries, and you can even give online should the Lord lead you to. We have two missionaries just got back within the last month, month and a half. Uh, Brett just came home Wednesday from Cairo, Egypt, where he preached with CFAN, which is Christ for All Nations out of Texas. And I saw the picture. I mean, he's up there preaching. And, um, I mean, just a sea of people, a sea of people. I couldn't even imagine to count the number, but I heard it was like 100,000. Unbelievable. This little church God's using. Praise the Lord. And we thank God for, you know, Brett being part of this church. And Matt just getting back from Brazil you know, uh, from six-month tour, teaching missionaries how to speak English so that they can go out into different parts of the world, and it's amazing. So don't be surprised uh, what what a one believer can do because <laughs> Jesus turned the world upside with 12 disciples, and that's if you add the Apostle Paul or Matthias, whichever one you want to add to take Judas's place. Um, so anyway... God can turn the world upside down, and that's what we intend to do with Little Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. Um, if you're online, you know, if you can't make it to church, if you're in some other state, I know we have people that move from here. They're watching in Connecticut. They're watching in, in uh, New Hampshire. They're watching in North Carolina and other places. You know, just um, we're, we're glad that they're there. We love them, and we miss them dearly. Some of them are permanent uh, fixtures up north, and some of them are still snowbirding, which is good, too. So, praise the Lord. Um, if you're online, bring a friend. If you're online, bring your family. Come on over and listen to the Word of God. Today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 15, and we're gonna, I'm going to explain that as we go on. But anyway, um, thank you for tuning in and tune in next week. If you want to talk to me, just add you know, to uh, my email is joe at freedomchurchpb.org. Just add a joe at, and you can talk to me. We uh, have also, I have published a book called About Face for any of you online. It's called A Wake Up Church, uh, Wake Up Call for the Church. You can go to um, Shulon, which is X-U-L-O-N Press, and you can order it there. You can go to Barnes & Noble and also... Um, Amazon to purchase the book. And I, I mentioned somebody gave us some trays. They're silver trays that kind of fit in with Christmas and Thanksgiving. But uh, for those of you that purchased the book, you know, the person told us, take one of these trays with you too. So it's a little gift. But this is a wake-up call for the church. If you want to fire up the Lord back into your heart and get motivated again, read the book. You know, I don't pretend to be any expert Liter literature writer, but the point is it's not the punctuation, if you find anything. It's not the, the selection of words. It's the Holy Spirit that had, God, had us write that book, you know. So you look at the spiritual content. You know, it's time to wake up, get off of R&R, &R, rest and relaxation. It's time for the church to take back the Take back the two and a half, three years that COVID have stolen from the church. It's time to take it back. It's time to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And it's time to move up, church. It's time to get back to church. It's time to, uh, try to, um, time to support your church. 
and it's time to get the gospel out there to the world. And now, uh, that's I know you all believe that because I know you were saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and you love him and you're called according to his purpose and Jesus gave us the main command called the Great Commission to go therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he said, remember, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That is a co-mission. It's not just you. It's him and you. So praise the Lord. No wonder people get saved when you preach the gospel to them, because it's him. It's not you. You're just the, as, as the disciples passed out the food for the congregation that was there, the 4,000, the 5,000, all they were was a distributor of the food. God is the food that we eat. And today we're taking communion. So for those of you online, I hope you got your cup and your piece of bread ready. Um, you know from the scriptures that Jesus was at the Last Supper and he, he gave out the, the, the bread. He broke the bread and passed it to the disciples. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body. So we are to take the bread and remember his broken body. What do you mean by the broken body? The broken body means, you know, the, the times that, that he was brought before the Sanhedrin. He was punched in the face. He was blindfolded. He was crowned with thorns by the soldiers. You know, he was, he was whipped with a cat of nine tail. Well, that's, that's, is, that's, the bread represents his broken body. If you know anything about uh, the matzah back in, in those days, the matzah had to be striped. And that's why they call the stripes on Jesus' back is for the healing, not only uh, of the nations, but for your, your bodily healing. There's bodily healing even in the stripes. Isaiah says, by the stripes you are healed. And, and, and uh, Peter says in the New Testament, by the stripes you were healed. That means from now then till now we were healed by the blood of Christ. Of course, Someday, you know, it's appointed once for us to die, and after this comes judgment, we're all going to go one way or the other. Short of that, so far blowing. By the way, I love the show far blowing. You know, it's, it puts an urgency to, to where the church should be today, an urgency to, to get out there and preach the gospel. And that's what, the, you know, the, the Hebrews did. You know, they marched around Jericho. They blew the show far, and, and there's just an urgency to, for those walls to fall down. So anyway, so the, the, the bread, it represents the broken body of Christ. So if you need the healing today, like we prayed for my mother-in-law, uh, Edith Vega, we prayed for, for Kenny Vega because their bodies were broken and their one's in the hospital, one just came home from the hospital. You know, you know, and I know they're both believers, so they know this prayer and they know what to do. And they've been, uh, praise God, they're, they're doing fine. Also... You know, this, the, the, uh, there's whole healing for the whole man in, in taking communion. You know, the bread was unleavened. I said, mentioned it's uh, unleavened, no yeast, which yeast represents sin in the Bible. It's striped because of Jesus' back, and it's also pierced, just like Jesus' body was pierced on the cross. It's a picture of our, what our Savior did for us that we should never, ever forget. Um, 
Also of the church, we serve wine, which is for the atonement of your sins. You know, that um, it's provision made for your soul so that you can, can end up in heaven. It's a, it's a reminder of the blood that Jesus was shed on the cross. And let me tell you something. His blood, as we showed earlier, was the blood of Almighty God, and it is holy, holy, holy. And when that blood was shed, it holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, washed away your sins. So we're going to partake of this now. So, um, Lord, today we just bless your holy name for providing for us, healing for our body. And, Lord, we take this bread in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, let's partake together. And Lord, we'll never forget, ever forget, even when we get to heaven, we'll never forget the blood that you shed for us. I know John saw you, Lord, as a lamb, a brother, a slain lamb in the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, that tells me that we're going to see those stripes on your back. We're going to see those piercings of the, the crown of thorns in your head. We're going to see the nail scars in your hands and in your feet. And, in, and we're going to see the spear in your side as an always remembrance of what you did for us by shedding your blood and redeeming us from our sins and opening up the gates to heaven. We take this and drink in remembrance of your shed blood for us and our salvation. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We do that every month for those online. Every month, the first Sunday of the month, we take communion and remembrance. And I tell everybody, Jesus, every time um, we're told to, when we take of bread and we drink of the cup to remember Jesus, and that's at least three times a day, that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then, of course, there's snacks in between. You've got to remember, when you take a drink, when you, you take a bite of food for the strength for your body, you're remembering him. He, in other words, he wants you to remember him all the time. And for if you're an active Christian, a spirit-filled Christian, that's, that's your heart. That's your heart. It's about Jesus from the day you got saved till the day you die. And then forever you'll be with Jesus. So praise the Lord. We're in Acts chapter, or not Acts, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 in your Bible. We're going to break this chapter down probably in two or three sections, because today we're going to study the first part. There's actually in this chapter, Jesus, there's three confrontations that Jesus has in this chapter. The first confrontation is with, with the Pharisees and their religion. The next one we're going to see next week, and maybe even possibly the third one, we're going to see Jesus confront race, racial issues. We're going to see him also, Jesus in this chapter, he's going to confront resources. He's going to feed the 4,000. 
He's going to identify himself to as the creator right before the scribes, the Pharisees, the ones who didn't believe, and the ones who did believe. So there's three confrontations that are going to happen. And I, you know, if you were online, I named this passage or this sermon, Jesus Confronts Jewish Tradition. He's confront Jewish tradition in this chapter. Next week it'll be he's going to confront racial issues, he's going to confront resources. It's going to tell us that in this chapter, Jesus rules and reigns over religion. He's superior to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, and the lawyers that came out to rebuke him. He's superior. He rules over religion. And that's something that we need to know today. I'm going to read the first nine verses of, of uh, Matthew 15, okay? I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Note that word, tradition. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and your, your father and mother, and he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, but their heart is far, is their heart, but their, uh, let me start over, let's see, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, or the traditions of men, again, that word could be established. The scribes and the Pharisees, who were from Jerusalem, okay, came to Jesus. Now, consider this. They're the bigwigs. They're considered the bigwigs in Jerusalem, right? And they're members of the Supreme Court, as you would put it today in, in America. They're members of the ruling court, okay? And it has 71 members, scribes, Pharisees, lawyers, and, of course, the high priest. 71 members. They traveled from Jerusalem to where Jesus is right now, which was a distance of 80 miles. Now, some of us that have cars, we, let it on, we don't even like to go on an 80-mile drive because it's going to take a couple hours. These people would have to walk for days, for days. An average person at a normal speed could walk about 25 miles a day. So that means they were walking for at least three days. That is how deep their vendetta is against Jesus. Can you see that? They, they came to set Jesus straight. 
But Jesus is going to set them straight because of their traditions. You know what? How did these traditions develop? You know that between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a period of about 400 years. And in those 400 years, God was silent to them. So what did they do? They developed traditions. And they really messed things up because of their traditions. They intended to set him straight, and Jesus is going to set them straight. He's going to show them that God and himself reign over tradition. They, they accused him of violating traditions. They could never accuse him of violating the law, the Mosaic law. They couldn't do it. So they had to pick out the traditions. You know what? They knew well what Isaiah said. The grass withers and the flower fades, but it's the Word of God that stands forever. Even in churches today that are legalistic and religious, they need to blow away their stupid traditions. God doesn't care if you have a tattoo. He cares about you and your heart. He doesn't care where you've been. He wants you. He's willing to forget all of that junk, all that sin, transgressions, iniquities that you had in the past. He's willing to forget them because he wants you. He's not going to keep you out of heaven because you have a tattoo, which a lot of religious churches do, and legalism. He's not going to keep you out of heaven because you dye your hair. He wants you. He doesn't care, you know, uh, you know, whether you wear a hat to church or not. He wants you. That's the difference between Old and New Testament. God doesn't, you know, even God tried to drive it home in the Old Testament. You know, he said, you know, Samuel told King Saul, God doesn't desire sacrifice. He desires your heart. He wants your heart. He don't care if you wear makeup. He don't care if your church fights over which is the Sabbath day, Saturday or Sunday. You know what the New Testament tells you, and I say it all the time in this church, the Sabbath is no longer a day of the week. It is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Get beyond this stuff and think spiritually. Think spiritually. Jesus said, come unto me, and I will give you rest. So where is your rest? It's rested. You rest in Jesus. Not just on Sabbath, Friday night to Saturday night. Not just on Sunday, but every day. Every day. They were putting man's tradition before the Mosaic law. Don't forget, the New Testament was not instituted yet, which is a better covenant. Man's tradition was adding on to God's law. If you read the back of Revelation, the last chapter of Revelation, Jesus will tell you that don't dare add a word uh, any words to this, uh, to this writing, or I will, I will um, 
add the plagues in this book to your life. Listen, this is serious stuff. Get rid of your tradition. Get rid of your legalism. It doesn't matter if the lady's skirt is too long or too short. It doesn't matter if she has thongs or, or if you wear sandals to church or tennis shoes. It doesn't matter. God wants your heart. And we got to have that. we got to know that. God wants you, your heart, and that's always what he wants. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? See, they even address it that way, the tradition. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Listen, it's always nice to wash your hands. But Jesus is talking spiritually here. He's telling you, don't wash your hands, wash your heart. Wash your inside of you first. Let me read it to you in Matthew chapter 23. Just turn, turn back a few places. Matthew chapter 23. Turn forward, I should have said. Matthew 23. And I'm going to go to the 25th verse. Matthew 23, 25. Here's Jesus talking. These are the one of the seven woes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Boy, Jesus didn't mince words with these guys. You know, a hypocrite means the wearer of a mask. A wearer of a mask. For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woo! No wonder they didn't like Jesus. He was hitting them where it hurt. He was calling them hypocrites, that wearer of a mask. He was getting away with it because the massive crowds are following Jesus. They're probably not going to the temple anymore if they even did. It didn't make sense. You know, when I was studying this again yesterday or this morning before I came here, I thought, when I wash the dishes at home, if you have a cup of coffee or let's say, let's say you have pudding or yogurt, you, 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 you empty the dish, you take it to the sink, the first thing you do is rinse off the inside. And then, of course, you put some soap in there, and what do you clean first? At least I do, I clean the inside first, because it was the one that had all the junk in it. But, and then usually and then I wash the outside, but what Jesus is saying here, I think is is even deeper than that. It's it's like you wash the inside and automatically the outside will be clean because the soap is running down over the outside and it's cleaning the cup on the outside even if you don't scrub it. So he's just saying to you, you clean up your hearts and you won't have to put on a mask anymore. You won't have to be a hypocrite. 
You just do what you know what your what what the law says. Clean up your heart. Clean up the inside first. I don't know about you, but people think, oh, a pastor of a church, he must must be holy, holy, holy. I can tell you one thing. I know a lot of pastors, and they're not holy, holy, holy. We're made holy by Christ and his blood that was shed for us. I'm amazed at how long I've been a Christian, and yet junk runs through my brain. I can't get over it. Just, just listen, you walk into Kmart, and you hear a song by the Eagles or something, or some demonic group, or, or not even a demonic group, and all of a sudden you just move from, 19, or from 2022 to 1999 because of that, because of, because of something that was put into you. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to clean it up. Don't acknowledge it anymore. I know when I got saved, man, those albums went. I don't care if they were worth $200. I watched the Pawn Stars, and I see some of these albums that the Beatles had and stuff like that, selling for absorbing amounts of money. I broke more of them in half, or thousands of dollars when I got saved. No more Eagles, no more Led Zeppelin, no more uh, those demonic groups, Alice Cooper and all those darn junky things, because I had to clean out the inside, not just the outside and appear to be a Christian, I want God to see a Christian in me when he sees me. I want him to see Christ in me, the hope of, my, of glory. Jesus is accusing them. Why do you transgress the commandment of God or the law of Moses? Because of your tradition. You are here. You're putting your tradition here in God's word here. You need to flip that around. You need to flip it around. God's word is here. Tradition's here. If your tradition goes against God's word, then get rid of it. God's word says that people walking in darkness shall see a bright light. So when we get to that part next week, you know, when Jesus is going to confront race, he says it's no longer about race. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or, or Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or green or purple or yellow or red. It doesn't matter. All God wants to see is your heart. Now, they put their traditions above God's law. So they were adding to the Mosaic law. And Jesus is here to set them straight. So he points out them for breaking the fifth commandment. In verse 4, for God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. One way of doing this is to support them in their old age. And you should. You should honor your father and mother and support them in your old age. Now, my wife just spent three days with her mother sleeping in bed. Four days. Four days. And believe me, her back is paying for it. Because she loves and honors her mother. But these guys are saying, no, no, I can't, I can't help you out because you can't pay the electric bill. I'm going to give that money that I could pay your electric bill to God. And therefore, they are holy. They think they're holy. And meanwhile, they just transgressed the law, Mosaic law. And by the way, 
You know, that fifth commandment has a promise connected to it. Honor your father and your mother, and your days will be long upon the earth. So there's a promise, there's a, there's a, there's a reward. You honor your father and mother. You don't dishonor your father and mother because they drink too much or they swear at you. You honor them because of their position, not because of anything else. They are your father, whether you like it or not. Or they are your mother, whether you like it or not. You are to honor them. Even if you don't like what they do or way they live, they are still your parents, and you are to honor them because the commandment does not say, honor your father and your mother unless, you do, unless they took the COVID shot. If they took the COVID shot, you, can, you cannot honor them anymore. That's stuff going around today in the, in the world. You know that? Some older people are afraid of the COVID shot. I'm not, st- I'm not for it or against it. I'm just saying you can't dishonor them just because dad has three glasses of wine or he fell asleep in front of the TV. You honor them because of their position. And you do the same thing with God. You honor God because of his position. He's God. You honor the son because he's the son of God and what he did for you. You honor the Holy Spirit because he's the one that told you of this great salvation through an individual that might live that lives on the earth. But you say in verse 5, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. So they're exempting the, you know, they're they're exempting the persons in the church or in the synagogue from giving to their father or mother because that money would be given to the church and it would profit them because they have a selfish heart. And that's why they were mad when Jesus threw over the money changer tables in the temple. He hit them right in their pocketbook because they were ripping people off. You bring a lamb to be sacrificed, the clean lamb had to be pure lamb. They would find a little, they'd find a little black hair in that lamb or, and, they'd, and they'd oh, it's unclean. And then they'd sell you another lamb for an exorbitant amount of money. And then you'd go their way and sacrifice the lamb, and then they'd take that lamb that he'd, you traded in, pull the black hair, and sell it to somebody else. And if you were a Gentile, they'd just change the weights on the scale, so, so you would have to give more money. They'd, see, their, their outside looked clean because they wore exorbitant uniform or garb, but their hearts were full of dead men's bones wretched and disgusting and you know what if I thought if you could smell it you it would you would vomit then verse 6 he needed then he needed not to honor his father or mother therefore the disciples are breaking the fifth commandment of washing of hand washing but the Pharisees broke God's law of of, of um, honoring their parents. So he just rebuked them, and I'm sure they're not happy. They just walked 80 miles to get to Jesus, to set him straight, and Jesus had to set them straight, and they probably walked away from there uh, or saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give to God because it makes them look holy on the outside. God doesn't want the outside. He wants the inside. 
So verse 7. You hear, but you don't understand, but you don't receive, says Isaiah 26, 13. Jesus is actually quoting scripture here for these, these guys. Isaiah 29, 13 also says this, And the Lord said, Forasmuch as this people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips do not honor me, but they have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment of men which hath been taught them. So the fear, the Sadducees are putting fear in people so that they give to their cause instead of God's law. And they're teaching them, they're, they're not teaching correctly. And there's a warning in the New Testament for pastors and teachers that they must, you, you know, you're going to incur a greater judgment for being a teacher. Verse seven, 7 and 8. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They wear the mask, as I said. Jesus is defining in a hypocrite and in the scriptures. Someone whose mouth and heart do not match. Someone whose mouth and heart do not match. God desires us to here, Isaiah 64 says, Oh, that thou would rend the heavens and come down. Well, God wants you to rend your heart. Tear it open and fill it with Him. He wants you to turn to the Lord. He wants you to repent. He wants you to be fired up again. Because in Luke, if you go to Revelation 3.16, He says, Because you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Or King James, vomit you out of my mouth. Joel 2.13 says this, Rend your heart, or tear your heart open. Like Isaiah said in Isaiah 64, verse 1, Oh, that thou would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your glory. Look, Joel says this, Rend your heart and not your garments, and turn to the Lord your God, for He is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy, and repent him of the evil. Then Jesus is saying, in vain do you worship me, because they haven't done this. They aren't doing it. Spiritual hypocrisy inhabits true worship. We can think we're true, you know, worshiping truly, but inside, we're, we're hypocritical. We wear a mask on that particular thing. Apart from obedience, what Jesus is saying here, and Isaiah is saying, which is God speaking to him, he's saying, apart from obedience, there is no real worship of God. Apart from obedience. You must be obedient. And you know, I taught in Genesis 22 so many times over the, and mentioned it in many sermons, that Abraham, when he was told to go to the mountain and sacrifice Isaac, when he was at the bottom of the mountain and they saw the mountain, and Abraham, Abraham laid the wood on his son's back, and Abraham took the fire, 
And uh, Isaac said on the way up, Father, we have the fire, we have the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And they said, God will provide himself the sacrifice. God will provide himself the sacrifice. That means God himself will pay the price for your sins. He will die on the cross for your sins. He will be crucified for you. He will die in your stead. So the ram was caught in the thicket. Abraham went and got the ram and sacrificed that, and Jesus was our sacrifice for us. But the whole point of, of this is true worship. Spiritual hypocrisy inhabits true worship because what Abraham and Isaac did on that mountain was not, was not what today we call worship. The first time worship is mentioned in the Bible is in verse 5 of Genesis 22, and that is where Abraham said, you know, he said, you stay, you men stay here. Me and my son are going up to the mountain to worship, and we will come back to you. And we will come back to you. Abraham knew that he was coming back with Isaac. And what did he do? He knew his God so well, because we know through the Bible that God hates human sacrifice, right? So, do you, do you think, I know that Abraham knew his God so well, he knew that God was not going to fall into line with pagan priests and pagan gods. So he knew he was coming back with Isaac. And how did he know that? Because true worship is not singing songs. True worship that, you know, true worship is not singing songs. That would be praise, I would say. True worship is what Abraham and Isaac did. They submitted his will to God's will. That is true worship, church. So if you're sitting in a pew and you think you're worshiping God when you're singing a song, that's part of it. It's the second, second point, maybe. But number one is your true worship is be doing, you know, being obedient to God, to submitting your will to his will. When you got saved, you should have gave up your will, your rights, and your control. You gave up your will to God's will. You gave up your rights to, to fall in line with God. And you gave up will, your heart, your heart, your will, and your rights. Your rights is you're no longer yourself. You are serving him. That's true worship, submitting your heart to God's heart. It's not strumming on a guitar. It's not playing on a piano. It's submitting your will to God's will. And that's as simple as it gets, and that's the purest form of worship. And as I mentioned, it's the first time the word worship is mentioned in the Bible in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5. We need to wake up. We need to grow up, because that's the kind of stuff you grow up. When you grow up, you learn. They teach as doctrines the commandments of men. 1 Samuel 16, all through the Bible, God sees not as a man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Simply said, way back in David's time, 1 Samuel 16, God doesn't see as you see. He doesn't see that tattoo on your shoulder, 
or on your chest or on your bum. He sees you. You know, he's not looking at the hat you wear or the shoes you wear. You know, that's what I love about Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel. I mean, I met Chuck a couple of times. But in one of his teachings, in his church, the, the lay people were complaining, all these hippie, hippies are getting saved from the beach, and they, they're all barefoot, they're coming into the church, and they're ruining the carpet with their bare feet. They, they had a problem. They were, they were pointing out things on other people. You know what Chuck said? He said, then tear out the carpet. I'd rather get rid of the carpet than the people. Because the heart, you see the heart. It's the heart. It's not the carpet. It's not what you wear. It's not whether you dye your hair. It's not whether, whether you're, you have sandals or, or $500 pair of shoes, which you could get today with no problem. It's not tattoos. God has you tattooed on the palms of his hands. As I said so many times in this church, Isaiah 49, 16 says, a man, Can a man, a woman forget her unborn child? She may, but I'll never forget you because I have you engraved on the palms of my hands. Not one palm, both palms. So Jesus looks at his hands. He sees Jeff. He sees Max. He sees all of us. That's it. God isn't into... Carnal, carnality goes into spirituality. God wants your heart. To obey is better than sacrifice, and that's giving up your will, submitting to God's will, and that's exactly what King Saul did not do when he was told to kill Agag, the king of, of, um, gee, I forgot the country, but anyway, he didn't do it. He didn't kill Agag. He let some people go. He took the lambs that were clear, and he was sacrificing them to the Lord. And he wasn't supposed to sacrifice to the Lord. It was supposed to be the priest, Samuel, to sacrifice to the Lord. He, he disobeyed God's commandments, and God removed him from the throne because of it. It didn't take place immediately, but it took place. And he anointed King David. Listen, man places too much importance on places where God does not. Where God does not. Let's read verse 10 through 15. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth of a man that defiles him, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Then his disciples came to him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? And he answered and said, Every plant which my father, my heavenly father, has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both of them will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So 
Here they are. They need to, they aren't understanding either. Hopefully we understand this today, but I look around a lot of the churches in the area and the churches I've been in, you know, when I, back years and years ago, you can see some of this stuff has entered in and we need to get rid of it. Peter is referring to what Jesus said in verse 11. What goes into the mouth, you know, doesn't defile it, but what goes out of the man defiles him. It's not the ceremonially unclean food that defiles you. God's paving the way for the New Testament. The Lord's paving the way for the New Testament, just so you know that. And it's, not, you know, it's a versus un, unwashed hands. It's not ceremonially, ceremonially unclean food versus unwashed hands. The di disciples, you can see in this, they still fear the Pharisees. You know, a good person rule, uh, reigns out of love, not fear. The disciples are still fearing the Pharisees, and they don't get it. Jesus isn't fearful at all. He's calling them exactly what they are, hypocrites. He is not wearing a mask. And they still don't get it. Like the churches, some churches today, they just don't get it. You know, at the men's group yesterday, uh, Ken brought his guitar, and we sang hymns from 17 and 1800. Oh, man, were they charged with power. Charged. What happened to them over the years? Now I'm looking back because I, I have, you know, when I was first saved, I was in a traditional kind of church, and I loved those old hymns. But as time went on, they started just being a part of the ceremony, I guess. And it wore out its, you know, you got tired of it. But man, if you read those words, you want the church today needs to move back about 300 years and believe and 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 like the words that were penned on those, on those uh, songs, those lyrics or those music, and the, the words that are penned are beautiful. Lewis sang one this morning for us, beautiful one. We need to move back to that because we fell away from it. It got redundant over the years that went by. Of course, we move more into a contemporary era, so, of course, that plays part. But you can't blame these people. You're going to see these people wrote those hymns in heaven. Because <laughs> they had it down. They had it down. To be honest with you, some of the new contemporary stuff I hear today, I say, I'm not even going to, I don't even want you to play that. I have to turn the radio on and I hear head-banging music. I'm ready to bounce my head off the window. I'm going like, I, I, I can't even understand your words. What's nice about it here, like at the church, we put the words on the board, so you do. So if it's a little bit upbeat, you get the words right there. You know what they're singing. The disciples are fearing the Pharisees. They don't get it. They have, a, they have been pre-programmed or brainwashed to bow to the religious system of the day. You know, 
religion's only good or, or the church is only good as the pastor and what he's teaching because what's in that pulpit t- taught down pushes to all men. You know, I had to move, remove people from positions here that, that they would end up, which was wrong, would have ended up in the children. I'm not going to mention names or anything like that, but I'm just, if, if that's where your theology is in your mind and in your heart, it will go out into the church. So we can't be, you got to know Jesus Christ is Lord, that's it. You got to know that you need to s- confess, you need to repent, you need to know that salvation follows repentance. You need to know Jesus Christ is Lord. It's not like, I got some things here. You got to watch these. Who, who is Jesus? Some churches say he's Michael the Archangel. Some churches say he's Avatar, an incarnate Vishu. Another one says he's the half-brother of Lucifer. And another one says he's an enlightening teacher. And he's, he's the prophet of Allah. He's a prophet of Allah. Or he's a vegetarian guru. Listen, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And it boils down to him and him alone. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. Not can be, must be saved. Don't worry. You need to worry about rejecting Messiah, not rejecting religious rituals of men. Psalm 118, verse 21 and 22. I will give thanks unto thee, for thou hast answered me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. That's who Jesus is. He's the head of the corner. If the cornerstone isn't down right, then your building isn't going to be right. It has to be perfect. And there's only one perfect being that ever walked this earth. And that, was, of course, is Jesus Christ. Matthew goes on in chapter 21 when we get there. He and he that falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it will fall, it will scatter him as dust. Listen, you might be walking along your life and you're happy happy and go lucky and all of a sudden somebody preaches you Jesus and you trip over Jesus and you end up getting saved. You say, wow, Jesus Christ is the Lord. But then again, there's those people that walk through life and they trip over the stone and and they just get up and keep on going and eventually that stone's going to come down and scatter them to shatter them to pieces because they rejected the chief cornerstone. People ask me, why did God, why did Peter, why did God take Ananias and Sapphira? You know, by, because they lied to the Holy Spirit. You know, why, why did God, why did they die? Because they lied to Peter. And Peter told them exactly why. Because you lied to the Holy Spirit. God was laying a foundation stone. That foundation stone was Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, that stone had to be perfectly right. And that's why when 
when people fell over, when Peter said they, they you know, they, um, when Peter said, you have not lied to men, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. It's telling you right there, who is the Holy Spirit? That God is so adamant and so, that stone had to be so perfect, you will not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. And that stone had to be set perfectly so that the church today, 2,000 years later, would, would stay fixed on that stone, Jesus Christ and him crucified. It isn't, Jesus isn't loose, you know, the, the half-brother of Michael. He isn't the brother of Lucifer. He's Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God incarnate. A body was prepared for him, Hebrews 10.5. And he walked this earth. He was crucified, dead, buried, and risen the third day. That's it. You don't like it? Then you're on the broad road that leads to hell, because Jesus said so in Matthew chapter 7. The way is broad that leads to destruction, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there's few that find it. You've got to find it here today. For those online, please find it. Time's running out for this world. That spiritual shofar is going to be blowing soon because the clouds are going to open up. God's going to tear the rend the heavens open, and he's going to come down on a cloud of glory, and he's going to be riding a white stallion. Well, no, it's going to, we're talking to we're talking to the rapture here. He's going to be coming down. The heavens are going to be open. The dead, the dead in Christ are going to rise. And then we who believe in Christ will be taken up and caught up and meet the Lord in the air. And we'll ever be with him. And I can't wait till that day. I hope it's today. And that's why I, I push to support missionaries, to support your church that you belong to. Because the more vehicles we have to get out there to preach the gospel, the sooner the Lord's coming back. I think it rests on our tenacity to take back what the devil has stolen from us. Verses 16 through 20, which is our ending verses. Jesus said to them, Are you also still without understanding? Talking to the disciples, do you not understand that whatever enters a mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? See, it comes out the other end. That's it. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of a heart, man, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are things which defile a man, but but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. It's common sense. Sure, wash your hands. It helps. It, you can eliminate germs. But God's talking about your spirituality here. He wants you to be saved from the heart. In the heart. That's the whole point. I wash my hands before I eat. Since COVID, I wash my hands constantly. I have to rub them with powder. What's a cream? Food and hand washing is not what its importance. It's really not what it, what's important is if you are on your way to heaven through Jesus Christ. That's what counts. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. 
You know what? Today's computer gurus always say this, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. You put garbage into this brain, garbage is going to come out of this heart of yours. That's just the way it is. You eat a piece of pie, it's going to come out the other end. If you ate a piece of pie with dirty hands, it's going to come out the other end. It doesn't matter. What comes out of the heart is what matters. James said it. You know, you could, you could say that James said it in, 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 in his verses. I think it's James 3, 6. But we say, what you are, what you eat. Well, you are what you say. Mark 11. See, the context of this whole thing going on here from verse 1 to verse 20 is the heart. It's the heart. That's it. That's the context. Mark 7, 19 says this. Outside things do not enter into the heart. They come into your system, then get flushed out. It's not the cleanliness of your hands. It's the content of your heart. It's as simple as that. So don't be religious. Don't be legalistic. Just believe the Word of God. Don't put anything above God's Word. I don't care what church you come from. I don't care if it's Catholic, Protestant, Presbyterian, Baptist, uh, uh, Methodist, Lutheran. You do not put man's traditions or legalism in front of God's Word. God's here, your traditions are here. You might believe that, and that's great if you want to do that, but if you're keeping people from coming to know Jesus, you're a little off base. That's what I say. But your still foundation stone is there. Jesus Christ is Lord. He rolls in your heart, and you just need to put them back in the right, in the, in the right place. So if you're willing to do that, just bow your head wherever you are and ask Jesus to come in. Repent of, I don't know, legalism and religiosity and just take God's word. This is the truth. Jesus said, he's the way and he's the truth and he's the life. It's not what hat you wear to get to heaven. It's not what clothes you wear to get to heaven. It's not what tattoos you have to get to heaven. I know a fellow that comes to this church, and you know him too. Every one of you here met him. He had, when he got saved, I was there, he had a tattoo on the back of his leg of a pentagram. When he got saved, he's there like, how do I get rid of this pentagram? I got to get rid of it. Because in his heart, he knew it was wrong because he, you know, he went by the traditions of men of the world. So what did he do? He went to the tattoo artist, put a circle around it with a slash through it. So everybody would know that he no longer agrees with that. He's a son of God. Tattoos don't mean nothing. You know what? If he didn't have that, ha if he didn't go to the tattoo artist and have that tattoo done over like that, when he died, he'd still go to heaven. Because God ain't looking at that tattoo. He's looking at this, because when he got saved, and I'm going back 15 years, he got saved. God looked at his heart, not the tattoo on his leg.
Father God, today in Jesus' name, we thank you for your holy word. You are awesome. We love you, Lord, with all of our heart. Help us, Father, to apply what we learned here today about tradition versus religion, a tradition versus God's word, Lord God, and help us to put in priority your word above all things else, above everything else. Open our hearts and let us repent of our follies and stick to your word in Jesus' holy name. We pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all. Tune in next week at 10.